0: I want to just get right into the word today because I got a lot to say. And this is the final message in a six-part series we've been doing called In This House. So if you missed all of it and you're just catching this part, you can see some words highlighted in the background of this image behind me. These are the six core values or uh, cultural behaviors of our church. These are things that, uh, that we always are often talk about rather And today I want to jump right into the last one. And the emphasis I want to take today is that as a church in this house, we are outward focused. We're outward focused. And let let me just unpack that a little bit for you. Religion says this. Religion says to a person, if you believe the way we believe and if you behave the way we behave, then you can belong with us. But Jesus says, you belong. You belong. Anybody thankful today that you didn't have to get your whole life figured out? You didn't have to get your junk worked out? You didn't have to get your thinking right before you came to Jesus? Amen. I know some of y'all are so sanctified. What I just said scares you because you're like, you're already ahead of me. You're like, wait, wait a minute, pastor. I mean, you know, we got to renew our mind and we got to, I know the Holy Spirit's going to work in your life. Once you do belong, you're going to renew your thinking and your thoughts are going to dictate your actions and your behavior's going to change, but we're going to let the Holy Spirit do all that. I'm just talking about grace that reaches out and ransoms us from the pit of hell. Aren't you thankful that you belong? Amen that it's still a whosoever ever will may come gospel. You belong, and that's, that's what we believe in. So here's one of the ways we, we articulate that in this church. I'm going to put a definition on the screen. We actively share in Christ's mission to reach those outside our church rather than remain mired in the self-focus of personal preferences and comfort. You can leave that up there for a little while. Because I want you to know that it was very intentional that I chose today to focus on being outward focused. Because as you heard us say earlier in the service, today is Pentecost Sunday. And biblical Pentecost pushes us to go beyond our personal preferences and outside our comfort zones. I need to say that again because some of you, you, you think you know what Pentecost is and you don't seem convinced yet. Biblical Pentecost pushes us outside of our personal preferences and beyond our comfort zones. And if you're a note taker, write this down. Pentecost has always been about the harvest. It's always been about the harvest. Some people look at Pentecost and they would say, Uh, You know, I think the opposite of that is true. (laughs) Some people would look at what you think is uh, the totality of Pentecost, and maybe what you're really describing in your mind, what you're envisioning is something you've seen or something you've heard, or maybe something you've heard about that took place in a Pentecostal church, and so that is the, the fullness of your understanding of Pentecost and maybe it was the church's culture maybe it was the fact that everybody you know was really demonstrative in worship like they, they danced around or or uh maybe they all prayed at the same time out loud and you couldn't tell who was supposed to be talking and you couldn't understand what was being said or maybe you heard people praying in the spirit praying with what the Bible calls uh, new tongues and and, and you Look at that, and you go, well, that's that's Pentecost, and that doesn't exactly seem outward focused. In fact, sometimes that can even seem a little uh, awkward focused. And so, I don't really know if I'm trekking with you quite yet, Pastor. But let me just say that's a perfect example of why this series that we've been in is so important. This whole series has been about the culture of the church. And how many of you know it's true that your behaviors eat your beliefs for breakfast. I mean, you can talk all day about what you believe, but it's the way you behave. It's, it's, it's when you walk in the room. I, I don't know what you might have read on our website, but you're forming opinions about this church because you're in the room, not because you're scrolling a, a page of our beliefs. And so when we're talking about culture, we're talking about who we are and about how we behave. And because we are committed to being a filled, a spirit-filled church, compelled by the holy spirit i want you to know today we are committed to being outward focused how many of you have ever like gone down to the boardwalk or maybe it was at the mall or something but you've had those uh, artists that do caricature drawings have you ever had one of those done a caricature drawing of yourself, you know how it goes, even if you haven't had it done, you've seen them, you know, you sit down on a metal folding chair, and this total stranger looks at you for about five or ten seconds, then they get out their black sharpie, and they start drawing a picture of what you look like, except what they do is they quickly look at your most recognizable features, and then they blow those out of proportion, so if you have a slightly larger nose than the last person that sat in the chair, you know you're going to have a big old Gonzo nose in that picture, right? Or if you got big front teeth, man, they're going to be huge going to look like a horse when that picture's over. And you're going to pay for that experience, by the way. Isn't that fun? They just pick out all your insecurities and make them really big. Or if you got tiny ears, they make them really really two little dots on the side of your head. And you're like, "Well, thank you. I was already insecure, but I appreciate that." How many of you guys have seen these before? All right, I'm going to put some on the screen. If you know who this is, just just say their name. You're going to help me with my message here. Okay, let's look at the first one. Yeah, that's Sly Stallone right there. Okay, another one. Adam Sandler. Wow, you guys have been uh, on Netflix, I can tell. All right. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, okay. All right, let me give you another one. That's Will Smith, obviously, right? All right, one more, one more. It's Michael Jackson. It's a later picture, but that's Michael Jackson. All right, so you you know what I'm saying. We take those little, those features that may, maybe really are key features of a person, but then we exaggerate those features and we, we blow them out of proportion to the point that, That it doesn't even realize, it doesn't look like the authentic portrait of who that person is, and yet they're recognizable. Here's my conviction I think there's a lot of people who have done the same thing with Pentecost. I think there's a lot of people that have seen a few traits that stand out of Pentecostalism, but they've exaggerated those and animated those so big that when I say I'm talking about Pentecost, you get this idea that's swollen and out of shape and out of proportion and sometimes even out of context. And you go, oh, I know what that's about. But can I just make an invitation today? How about today we do what James said, the brother of Jesus, and we look into the mirror of God's word and not into a characterization, and let's find out about the Holy Spirit today. Amen? Amen. That's worth clapping about. Amen. I want to challenge you today. Whatever your experience has been up to this moment, I want to challenge you for the next several moments to trust God the Father, I want to challenge you to trust God the Son, and I want to challenge you to trust God the Holy Spirit. Isn't it funny how we say we believe he's God three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you were baptized in his name, and yet sometimes we have all this confidence when it comes to the Father and the Son, and then when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, people get uneasy. Like, oh. I... I don't, I don't know, where's he going with this? I'm going to Jesus, okay? It's where we always go in this church. We're going to Jesus. But the Holy Spirit of God is God as much as the Father or the Son. So i want to encourage you today. Let's lean in and look at what the Bible says about the third person of the Trinity. Historically, the day of Pentecost was a, a feast of the Jews. It was one of their three annual agricultural feast. It was a harvest festival. I told you earlier, Pentecost has always been about the harvest. It was a harvest festival. It was called the Feast of Weeks. It happened 50 days after Passover. And the word Pentecost means 50. So that's why we call it Pentecost Sunday. For us in America, that just means Easter was 50 days ago. So I know we're still in a COVID reality and it feels like four months ago, but it was just 50 days ago. And so it's Pentecost Sunday. But for us, the significance of Pentecost is not so much tied to the historical feast of the Old Testament. Pentecost is significant to us because of what God did on Pentecost Sunday in the New Testament. And we read about it earlier in worship. In Acts chapter 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, while they were all gathered together in unity praying, the Spirit of God was poured out in that place. Make no mistake about it, though, church. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is very much about the harvest. And I want to show you a verse in Acts. In fact, we'll go to Acts chapter 1 because this verse that sets up that experience is so key to what God was doing then and what I believe he wants to do now. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. This is post-crucifixion, post-resurrection. He's about to ascend back up to heaven, and he speaks to his disciples. And in verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let me just say to us, that might be familiar. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've even memorized that verse. But to the men that were standing there and the women that were listening, this was revelatory. They had no context for God wanting to use them to take the gospel to the nations. They were so focused on their own people, on what God wanted to do to restore uh, Jerusalem and the Jews. And they were thinking with such a, a narrow, nationalistic perspective that they had no context for understanding what God was up to. I mean, these are some of the same guys that in Luke 9, the Bible says they were going to Jerusalem through Samaria. And just because some of the Samaritans didn't welcome them, Two of them said, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven on those guys? To which Jesus said, no, no. The plan has never been call down fire on people that disagree with you. All right, can I just remind the church in 2021, because some of you have been torching people on social media. The plan of God has never been to call fire down on people that disagree with you. Jesus says emphatically, no, that is not the plan. Moving on, fellas, let's go. That's the same group of guys, the same group of women that that God is speaking to here. Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria. And not just that far, but you're going to the ends of the earth. And in this one verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gives us the plan and the purpose for sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, for filling the church with his spirit. He said, it's to give you power. That's the purpose, to be my witnesses. That's the plan. And then he gives us the strategy. He says, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In other words, it's gonna start where you live. In Judea, the surrounding area. And then it's going to go to Samaria, to people that are not like you, people that don't think like you, people that you disagree with. And then it's going to go to the ends of the earth, other people groups, other languages. And that's still God's plan today, that the church would receive power to reach the neighbors and the nations. That's the plan of God for the church. And Jesus unpacks all that for them. And then suddenly... On the day of Pentecost, they have this experience that they've never had before. The Holy Spirit is outpoured. And suddenly, these same disciples, who had no context for God's global plan of salvation, all of a sudden, they get up and they begin to preach in the marketplace. And at the end of that sermon in Acts chapter 2, Peter says this to the crowd of people. In Acts 2 verse 38, it says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, he says, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. That's incredible. That's incredible that Peter on that day had such revelation of the heart of God in that spirit-inspired moment that he said, this gospel is for all who are far off. But it's funny how we can have clarity at one moment in our lives and then so quickly we can lose that clarity. Has that ever happened to you before? Where like, you, you were confused about a situation, didn't know which way to go or which way was up, but all of a sudden you had a moment in God's presence and it was like the clouds parted. You're like, oh, why didn't I see that before? Only to find yourself back in that same place of confusion a few days later. That's why when the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, it, it talks about a perpetual filling. In other words, we're not talking about a one-time experience. We're not talking about an annual holiday. We're not talking about something that you should try once or, or be a part of, check that box, and move on to the next step in spiritual maturity. We're talking about an abiding relationship. That's why when you read the book of Acts, you see the same group of people being filled with the Spirit on multiple occasions. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 the apostle Paul writes, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That word filled, it really means to, to be being filled. It means stay full. It's a continual renewing of the Spirit. Why? Because we need to continually get the mind of God. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, when, when Paul's describing how high God's thoughts are, And how high his ways are. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And and we can kind of get lost in that thought. But then Paul says in the next verse, in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 2, he says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so we can come back to a place of clarity. And that's what the disciples had to have. I mean, they got the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and they said, this gospel is for all who are far off. What's amazing is, if you read the book of Acts, you find that in Acts chapter 15, they had what was called the Council of Jerusalem. This was a church meeting. And and the the topic on the debate floor was, are we going to let the Gentiles be a part of the church without first becoming Jews. Now think about this. This is 20 years after Peter stands up full of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost and says, this gospel is for all who are afar off. Now 20 years later, they're having a debate to decide, should we let them in? Should we let them? Should we let them get? Should we let them be a part of the church? Do they or do they have to be like us? Do they have to have our traditions and our rituals? Should we let them in? And, and the kind of the closing argument for the whole debate was Peter's personal testimony about what had happened when he was in the home of a Gentile. In Acts chapter ten, Peter had been in the home of an Italian officer of a whole regime, and he's in his home, and he's preaching to them, and here's what he says in Acts 15, eight about that. Peter said, God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. Now, that last part's really important, that Peter says, I know that God accepts them. I know that we have to accept them, We have to get past our personal preferences and outside of our comfort zones because the Holy Spirit was given to them just as he did to us. In fact, it's the same testimony that Peter gave when he was in the Italian officer's house. If you go back to Acts chapter 10 and look at that story, here's what it says as Peter's preaching the gospel to these Gentiles. In verse 44 of Acts 10, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Oh, I wish God would do that today. Hey, Peter didn't give an altar call, he didn't give instructions on how to respond, nobody filled out a card. Nobody raised a hand. He's just preaching. He's still preaching the message, and apparently faith starts rising in their hearts, and not only do they believe in God for salvation, but they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It says it was poured out even on the Gentiles. Look at verse 45. The circumcised believers, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of God the holy the gift of the holy spirit had been poured out even on the gentiles they couldn't believe it despite what they had already preached and witnessed how did they know that the holy spirit had been poured out on the gentiles look at the next verse it says for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising god then peter said surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water why For they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. There's that witness again. Peter says, what happened to them just now in this house is the same thing that happened to us. And these people hadn't even been baptized in water yet. I mean, they just came to faith right here in the middle of my sermon, and now they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you know? Because we see the gifts of the Spirit being demonstrated in their lives. In other words, the evidence... That they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was that they spoke in tongues and they were praising and glorifying God. So the the recognizable features of Holy Spirit baptism is the ability to speak in tongues and that God is glorified. So let me back up. If, If you want to caricaturize Pentecostals. If we sat down in the chair and you looked at Pentecostals, probably the, the the most dominant features that you would see is that we can speak in tongues and that we glorify God. and so if you if you wanted to if you wanted to get a, a distorted view of Pentecostals and yet still know who you're talking about, those are the features that you're going to illustrate. Can I just remind us today, church, that Peter did not Say the Spirit came and was poured out so that we could speak in tongues. He didn't say that's the reason the Spirit was poured out. The purpose for them receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit was the same purpose that put Peter in Cornelius' house to begin with. The fact that he was uncomfortably preaching the gospel in the home of Gentiles, the reason the Holy Spirit was poured out is the same purpose that Jesus told them about in Acts 1.8. He said, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And can I remind us, church that the same reason the Holy Spirit is poured out in this house is because God also has called us to be outward focused. He compels us to go beyond our personal preferences, to go outside of our comfort zones, to be fully yielded to the Spirit's leading so that we can be effective witnesses for His glory. To live sacrificially beyond our personal preferences. Now, do we passionately glorify God? You better believe it. Do we get excited and exuberant? Absolutely. Do we speak in tongues? Yes, absolutely. We do all of those things. But listen, when we talk about pursuing more of God, we're not pursuing a manifestation. We're not pursuing a demonstration of what the Spirit's power can do. We're pursuing Jesus. We're pursuing the Spirit of Jesus. You know, when those first believers were in the upper room in Acts 2, they had no context for what it looked like to be filled with the Spirit. That didn't help them or hinder them. Think about it. I mean, like, you might have... You might have Memory to go off of. Maybe when I talk about being Pentecostal, you think about you know, the old tent meetings and straw spread out on the floor and wooden benches. Maybe, maybe you're, you're from that generation. Or, or maybe you think about a, a Pentecostal video you watched on YouTube of somebody uh, speaking in, in an unknown language. Or, or, or maybe you think about some televangelist on the TV. I don't know what your context is, but here's their context. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Acts 1-4. And so they went to Jerusalem and they prayed and they sought God. And God responded to their seeking by sending the Holy Spirit and baptizing them with power and enabling them to speak in new tongues. But the enablement didn't stop there. That power pushed them out into the streets and they began to preach the gospel to 15 different representations of nations. And thousands of people were saved that day. Can I encourage you today? God wants to pour his spirit out on the church as much now as he ever has. Because everything God calls us to, he equips us for. Write this down. The Holy Spirit is heaven's resource for earth's assignment. How could you not want to receive the fullness of the spirit of God? How could you not want every resource and provision that Jesus makes available to the church? Everything that he's called us to, he's equipped us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. I was thinking this week about the series that we we did earlier this year. I did a four-week series called Unchanged. And it was about the things that don't change. And I think it's healthy when everything in our world is changing that we really double down on what can't change. We talked about those four realities of gathering in worship, growing in discipleship, giving in compassion, and and going in evangelism. Right now, we've got over 125 people in our church having discussions in life groups every week about those topics. Isn't that awesome? We've got people meeting every week to discuss the unchanging realities. Can I tell you, I wish I had another 35 minutes because I spent time this week looking at how the Holy Spirit helps us to gather in worship, how the Holy Spirit helps us to to grow in discipleship and to give in compassion and to go in evangelism. And I'll give you the cliff note version. It's impossible without the Holy Spirit. We need his help. We need his assistance. And that was God's plan from the beginning. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is heaven's resource. For earth's assignment. And here's my concern. For some people, there's a lack of hunger and desire for everything that the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. And it's not because of what you've read in the Word. That's not the mirror you've been looking in. For some people, it's because you have taken a view of some exaggerated features that may very well be attributes of Pentecost. But you've seen those few expressions so blown out of their context that you've missed the beauty of the third person of the Trinity. And for some, you've even rejected God, the Spirit. I I was reading some testimonies recently that really just encouraged my heart. One of them was from Francis Chan. I know many of you know who Francis Chan is. He's, He's a famous... Pastor used to pastor a very large church. he's a Christian author, but Francis Chan is from the Reformed Protestant denomination. That's his background. He went to John MacArthur's Bible College and, and he recently wrote a book about unity. and, and inside the, the cover the front cover of the book is the dedication page. and and he dedicated the book to denominational leaders and pastors who he has offended with his pride and arrogance. That's the dedication of the book. Like I dedicate this book to leaders and pastors who have been arrogant and pridefully insulted. I listened to a conversation with him recently online, and, and he was saying when I was in seminary, I, I really thought, that when people said they were speaking in tongues, they were actually talking to demons. That's what he said he believed. That's what he was taught. He said, I thought when people prayed in tongues, they were talking to demons. But that's when I was a young man. That's when I still thought I knew it all. Then I got a little older, and I, and I actually got to know some Pentecostal believers. And you know what Francis Chan said? He said, I got around them, and I realized these people really know God. Like there is lasting fruit in their ministry. I mean, they pray and they get direction and they hear from God. How could I ever assume that those people were were interacting with demons and devils when they have such a sweet and an authentic relationship with God? I, I heard another testimony that just, man, it blessed me. It was from another mega church pastor, famous Christian author, Max Lucado. Max is the pastor of a Church of Christ church in San Antonio. Uh, church of Christ is probably most known for not using instruments in their worship. So uh, Now, his church actually does use instruments, but if we're doing caricaturizations, that's the Church of Christ. They don't, they don't use instruments. But I can tell you another thing about them. They don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Max Lucado has been pastoring for many decades. And he was preparing a few years ago to write a book on the gifts of the Spirit. And as he's studying the gifts of the Spirit, he started to feel a little bit of a conviction that maybe I just don't have it all figured out yet. Maybe there's more here that I haven't really tapped into. And so Max tells in an interview, and you can find this on YouTube. He tells in an interview that he has a little quiet place in his backyard. It's kind of his secret place where he just, you know, meets with God. And he was there in that place and he just prayed a prayer he essentially he felt the need to say to god god if there's any if there's any gift that you still have for me that i haven't experienced yet I, i'm open to that I, i'll i'll receive it if there's something more that you have for me and he testified that just a couple years ago in his 60s max lucato was there in his backyard praying and Asking God for gifts of the Spirit when all of a sudden the, the Lord Jesus baptized him in the Holy Spirit. And Max began to speak in new tongues. And he began to pray in this prayer language he had never prayed in before. And, and he's, he said it was, it was just so sweet and so s- such an intimacy with, with God like I had never really felt before. So he did it again the next day. And then he did it again, and he was developing this personal prayer language when all of a sudden he started feeling conviction because here's a Church of Christ pastor, and he's he's a closet Pentecostal. <laughs> and so he, he said, I, I, I had a meeting with my elders. I called all my elders together, and I confessed to them. I've been speaking in tongues. <laughs> and he told them what happened. And he said it was the most... Incredible moment because he said those elders in my church, they just they just rallied around me. And they 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 were so blessed that even in his 60s, their pastor was still hungry for more from God. And they encouraged him in his pursuit of more of the Holy Spirit. And he said he felt so relieved and so loved in that conversation. And then a little bit after that, some of those same elders came to him and they said, Pastor, we have a confession of our own. We've been Pentecostals for some time now. (laughs) We just didn't know how to tell you because of your theological views, but we've been praying in the Spirit. And I, I love those testimonies because they encourage me and I hope they challenge you. Can I just tell you, church, God didn't tell you everything He knows? Can you take the burden off for just a moment? Some of you, you've been like trying to figure it out and then something goes wrong and you think, oh no, what does that mean? It just means something else you don't know. But God didn't tell you everything he knows. As the worship team comes, I want to challenge each and every one of us to to take that same posture that that Max Lucado took in his 60s after decades of pastoring a church that just says, God, if there's a gift that you want to give me, I want to receive it. I want to challenge you to take a posture that says, Holy Spirit of God, I trust you to lead my life. And can I challenge you to not let a representation, whether it's a good one or a bad one, of one or two predominant features of what the Spirit does be the whole picture of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. I prayed for a an 18-year-old young man in the last service right here in the altar to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After everybody else was heading to the coffee bar and to their cars, we were praying that he would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I told him, I said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he's going to come on you. In other words, you're not going to suddenly become me. You're still going to be you. Which means when the Holy Spirit flows through you, you're still going to sound like you. You're still going to talk like you. But the Holy Spirit wants to do what Acts 2.4 says, enable you. He wants to enable you to hear his voice and to say what he's saying. And that begins with the evidence of spirit baptism, a new prayer language. And you heard it so beautifully demonstrated earlier in our worship service. Ginger began to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now now what she was giving was a message in tongues. That's a gift of the Spirit, a message in tongues. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, when a message is given in tongues, there ought to be an interpretation of that message. And you heard that follow. A word from the Lord just encouraging us to, to taste and experience His goodness today, to abide in His presence, to draw near to God. That's the gift of tongues with the interpretation of tongues. But the Bible speaks about this evidence of Holy Spirit baptism. It's a prayer language. It's a personal prayer language that God enables us. And there's a reason for it. And there's a reason that I'm preaching about it today. It's because the Holy Spirit compels us to be outward focused For us to live missionally, especially beyond our comfort zones, especially beyond our own personal preferences, it requires that we learn how to hear the voice of God and say what He's saying. You know how we learn that? By praying in the Spirit. See, when you pray in your understanding, you're only going to pray the things you know to say. And if this ever happens, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but it happens to me all the time. Sometimes I begin to pray about something in English and it turns into it turns into a brainstorm session in other words somewhere in my mind I stop asking God to fix it and I start working out the details anybody else you start self-counseling your prayer time turns into you know like like you're telling God what you're going to do to fix it you know what I mean see thank God that we can pray with our understanding but what do you do when you don't understand what do you do when you don't know how to pray The Bible says when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit of God prays in us and through us with deep groans. So there's something of purpose to even this demonstration of baptism. The Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to hear His voice and pray His will. This is the beauty of praying in the Spirit. The Bible says when we pray in the Spirit, we pray the will of the Father. Now that's awesome to know that at any moment I can pray the will of God for my life when I stop praying with my mind and start praying with my spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, when we pray in the spirit, we edify ourselves. How encouraging to know that on a a gloomy Monday, I can just in my car begin to just pray in the spirit and I edify myself. I begin to be encouraged. I begin to be lifted up. God hasn't told you everything he knows. And if you can trust God the Father, and you can put your hope in Jesus the Son, I want you to know today, you can trust the Holy Spirit of God to give you good gifts. So I want to invite you to stand with me all over this room.